Okay, so I have a quote here that I want. Is it recording? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, this is by G.K. Chesterton. The point of having an open mind, like having an open mouth, is to close it on something solid. And um, th that made me think of our study because, as you saw in uh, Libby's outline, we're going to be covering a lot of topics. And in Mark, if you remember, um, that there was a point in time when the people who were following Jesus, some of them said, this is too hard. This teaching is too hard. And they left him. Well, we're going to get into some really hard topics. Even just the Beatitudes themselves have, are layered. They're, they're not obvious. What we think they say isn't what they say. And so um, <clears throat> I wanted to uh, assure you that we are going to talk about the topics with grace and mercy. And we are not going to, this, this, this whole, uh, this particular group, but our Bible study in general, we never tell people what to do. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, it, to identify anything in your life that needs to change. That is up to you and God and not us. We're not part of that. But we are going to get into difficult teachings because Jesus is asking us to be countercultural. So obviously anything that's in our cu culture that we're used to and we're part of could be uh, at odds with Jesus' teaching. So I just wanted to um, mention that um, if you look ahead, that... Um, uh, we're going to be grace and mercy. Just remember that. <laughs> so uh, what I, I decided to do was uh, give you more or less a resource uh, for that first page that you've got. Um, I wanted to point up that uh, very first sentence there. Righteous character brings blessings to the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's sort of an overarching statement for this whole study because Jesus is going to be talking about that righteous character that he wants us to have. And like our lesson is called Unexpected Blessings, we will be blessed by that and uh, in ways that we can't even begin to understand. And our focus is going to be our spiritual state. It's, it's, it's going to talk about things that people do or don't do, but it's going to stem from a spiritual spiritual change in us, or it's uh, in our spiritual righteousness. Also, we are getting uh, this all from, the study is from the book of Matthew, so I just wanted to briefly talk about Matthew. It actually, his name means the gift of God. It was written uh, primarily for Jewish believers, because at the time of the writing, that was mostly that that there were, were Jew, at the, in the, when Jesus was, when people were uh, putting their faith in Jesus, he was talking to the Jewish community. So these are Jewish believers. Um, uh, it's the, uh, each of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, this gospel is called the gospel of the king because it talks about the kingdom of God more. 60% uh, of Matthew focuses on the teachings of Jesus. It's arranged topically, not chronologically, which is helpful to remember. It was written about 20 to 30 years after Jesus' ascension, and it was written by the, the apostle Matthew, the, the, the tax collector. He tells his own personal story in, Mark, uh, in Matthew 9, 
um, where he uh, is a tax collector Levi, and he uh, drop, he ch- drops everything to follow Jesus. And you know, back then, um, the tax collectors were very hated because they worked with the Romans and they were working against their own countrymen. So he left wealth, he left prestige within his circle, <laughs> and um, and especially wealth. And he um, he immediately asked Jesus to come to. Um, meet his other tax collector friends, um, and, and that's part of his story. Um, but, Le- but Jesus changes his name from Levi to Matthew, which means the gift of God. And it is also one of the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. That is a Greek term I give there to you. It means sharing or presenting a common view. So that's where you could find similar parables or stories in those three books. And um, that, um, uh, and sometimes people will get picky and they'll say, well, it says it here, but it doesn't say it here. But, but what you really need to do is look at it as a whole. Because each of the authors had a different emphasis and they had a different purpose of what, why they were writing. And that's why there are some facts included in some of the Gospels and not in the others. So, um, so anyway, that's, that's who Matthew is. Then I've given you definitions. What Beatitudes, Blessed, Righteous, Kingdom of Heaven, what, what these mean. I also gave you like where I got them from, if I, if, you know, the website. So you could go and get other definitions if you need them. If you turn it over, then I wrote, made that little dash line because now I, I want to talk about the divisions of the, the uh, Beatitudes. And um, the way to look at it is verses 1 through 6 talks about the blessedness of one who is rightly related to God. And 7 through 12 is the blessedness of one who's right related to people. And then within those two divisions, I've given you some verses to kind of help you understand what um, what those what that rightly related to God or people what that kind of looks like, um, and so you can uh, that's for you to look at for later. So I hope that you find it as uh, helpful, and uh, because some of those words will continue to show up in the rest of our lesson. But when I was thinking about uh, what to talk to you to us about today, um, the the study guide covers the Beatitudes, uh, verses 1 through 12, really well. So we'll do, in a minute, Marlene will lead us through that, and we'll talk about that. But as you look at just the Beatitudes, and not, don't even go any farther, just looking at that, you, I was thinking, you know, um, I, I, I can't always do these things. This, this is hard. How do I do that? And so I wanted to have us understand um, what Jesus is wanting from us. So at the top of the second page I gave you, uh, where it says information, conviction, transformation, um, I wanted to think about it this way. We're taking in information when we do Bible study, right? Whenever you read the Bible, you're taking in information. And then we then, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit then will convict us. It should... Do you have it? I, I gave it to you. I hand, that was the second thing I handed to you. Okay, sorry. And so um, the um, 
so then so then you read it and you say oh you know that's me i see myself in the scripture i need to change i need i knew you know lord help me change and so through through your cooperation with the holy spirit through that conviction then you're transformed and you either turn from that sin you turn from that behavior whatever then there's there's a change and whenever you go into bible study you need to expect that and and not all bible studies will maybe speak to you like others will so then you have to always be sure that no matter what you're in god's word and whenever you're in god's word this formula is a promise if you take in the information and you're open you you open your heart you you know open your mind and your mouth like like our our quote said on something solid then god will work with you and make some changes and so um i wanted a visual um for us to do that and so i had this can you all see this Okay, so for purposes of the recording, what I have is blue Kool-Aid and I have red Kool-Aid. So the blue Kool-Aid, think of this as, this is us. This is all, this is the whole world. This is everybody. We are, this is our sinful nature. We are lost to our sin. Thanks to the, of Adam and Eve bringing sin into the world. When we're born, we have this sinful nature. And it, it is a part of us on this side of heaven. And think of the red Kool-Aid. Oh, and then let's talk about sin. We studied sin in Christianity Explored. If you remember, the literal definition of sin means to miss the mark. So this is, you know, this is God's holiness. This is his perfection. And we miss the mark. We, we, there's no way we can do that. So sin is missing the mark, not doing God, what God wants us to do. And so think of the red Kool-Aid as Jesus, as Jesus, his blood that was shed on the cross. This is his perfect, holy character. This is who Jesus is. And when we see ourselves as sinful and we see that there's nothing we can do, there's nothing in us that could make us um, acceptable to Christ or to God to, to get into his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that like we're talking about, then... Um, then we can only look to Jesus. And Jesus on the cross took all of our sins, all of the past sins of people who lived before that point in history, all of the future sins of everyone who lived future to that point in history. He separated himself from the Father and he took on that sin for us. And he bore it on his body and he shed the blood for us. Uh, but in God's um, power, he then raised Jesus from the dead. He's resurrected. The resurrection is the important part. You can't not, it, 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 the, the, the cross is only part of the story. It's the resurrection that, that he then it came to life in, in the power of God to live forever, to never die again. The, the man Jesus, he's, he has the, you know, he's fully man, fully God. The man Jesus will never die again. He was resurrected into a, 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 a different body and, um, and, and never to die again. So that is the promise that he has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And, and that is what we need then from him. From when we put our trust in him 
and he and we say, Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner. I need you to I, please forgive me, take my sin onto you, and fill me with your holiness. Make me acceptable to Christ or to God, so that when God's looking at me, He doesn't see me. He sees Jesus standing in front of me, and Jesus in all His holiness. And so when he does that, he doesn't just say, okay, we've done that. He does more than that. And, and he says that to his disciples, I must leave you because I'm sending a, a counselor, a friend, a, a, a teacher, the Holy Spirit to you. And it's better that I leave so that you can have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere, whereas Jesus as man could only be wherever he was. So when we put our trust in Jesus, then we get the promise of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And he pours his spirit into us, and now we are a different color. Now we're purple. Now we're a new creation in Christ. And in 2 Corinthians it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come, the, new, the, the old has gone, the new has come. So here we are with this new creation, and we're following Christ now. But here's the problem. On this side of heaven, it's still purple. We're not pure like Jesus. So now, no, just like I can't separate the blue Kool-Aid from the water, nothing can separate us from our sinful nature. That's what we are. I also cannot separate the red Kool-Aid from the blue Kool-Aid anymore. It's... They're mixed together. They can't be separated. Just like we can never be separated from God. If anyone teaches that anywhere, you hear that, that is heresy. We, we, once we belong to Jesus, we are always him, his. No matter how far we pull that, that line, how far away we get, we are still his. Always and forever. Sealed in his spirit. Um, so, uh, and then as we study his word and we pray and we fellowship with other believers, he gives us the promise of a big word called sanctification. And what that means basically is he makes us holy. He, he, he fills us more of with himself and we become more and more holy. Never on this side of heaven will we become perfect or perfect holiness, but he continues, as we study his word, then he pours more of himself in us, and if I could, if I had a bigger container, and I could pour all of this in here, then we go from being purple to, if you remember your Crayola, red crayons, red, red violet, and I could become, the more I study him, the more red I'll be, but I'll always be a little muddied red because that blue, that sinful nature is always going to be in there. So why this is important and why you need to remember the muddied red is because as we go through the, the Sermon on the Mount or any teachings in the Bible, you're going to say, this is too hard, I can't do this. There's going to be times that that's going to happen. And you've got to remember, that's probably true. You can't do it on your own. None of us can. None of us can. None of us are perfect. Only Jesus. So then we look at this Galatians verse, Galatians 5, 16 through 17. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. That tension that that verse describes is what you're going to feel all the time. And so that you're going to feel 
different ways. It doesn't make the facts any different. So you're going to feel distant from God sometimes. You're going to feel conflicted by what you're saying, what you're reading in terms of what the world's telling you and what you're reading. All those things. You're going to have feelings, but don't let the feelings control your mind. Let your let let the let the Holy Spirit do that and and, and teach you um, what is actually um, going on. So if you're feeling or you're reading and something's in conflict with this, you know, your flesh and the Holy Spirit are in conflict, then that's when um, we He allows us the cooperation that we can give the Holy Spirit to then allow change to happen, and that trans- then we go from the conviction to the transformation. So, um, do you have any questions? Was that clear? Mm-hmm. So, um, so then in application of the Beatitudes, um, you know, what, what was your reaction to them? Um, I'm going to kind of read through these and then you can respond to any of them. What is the Holy Spirit teaching you and what are you going to do with it? That's something that Libby said last week. I think we should have this every single week. We should have that question. What unconfessed sin in your life is making so much noise you can't hear God's voice? I got that from Sterling Moore. He, I went to a, um, a class last week that he gave, and he said to him, sin was like noise. Like when you're in a crowded room and you can't really hear any one distinctive voice. And, and so when there's sin in your life, you can't hear God's voice. So, you know, what, what noise is, is keeping God's voice from being clear? Because as we know from the Old Testament, the uh, story of Elijah, God wasn't in the storm and he wasn't in the, all the you know, loud things. He was a still, small voice. Um, and how can you shine for Christ in your sphere of influence? Because that's what Jesus is going to be calling us to do. He's going to be calling us to be different. And uh, I love this verse from Philippians. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So that's the contrast. It's a crooked and twisted world, and he's asking us to shine. And how can you know the will of God? We are going to be reading the will of God. Every every verse is going to be the will of God. That's how you're going to know what his will is for you. And I like this verse in Micah that I think summarizes it. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So, that is all I have. <laughs> if you want, then we could talk about the application questions. I'm going to stop the recording now.